0: Welcome to Centerpoint Church Online. I'm so glad that we're able to be together today. And if you're new with us, my name is John Hansen. I'm lead pastor of Centerpoint Church, and we're about life-changing connections, loving and leading people to life-changing connection with Christ. And we'd love to know that you're with us today. So make sure to fill out the connection card that'll be in the comments in the chat uh, in a few minutes so that we can stay in touch. And also, I know that uh, many of us want to make sure we're making a difference in our community and now we've got just so many things going on right now where we can do that. One of them is we're doing a Mile of Love. This, the next coming Saturday, you can come to the Centerpoint Marietta Campus at 10 a.m. and then we're going to go down to Madison Avenue and just line the streets with love. Anyway, more about that on our website. Also, baptisms a couple weeks from now. If you have never been baptized, I want to invite you to come to campus and be baptized. You can go to the website and find the link to, uh, to be a part of that. Pretty easy to find. But I just want to ask you to join me for a moment right now so that we can pray together over our offerings. A lot of us uh, give uh, automatically. Some of us have just chosen to give, and uh, you can do that easily at mycenterpoint.tv. Just click on Give. But let's take a moment. Let's pray over our offerings. Pray with me. God, thank you for giving us all that we have. And Lord, we offer to you our tithes and offerings, and we consecrate those to you now. Lord, for your glory, for your kingdom, in Jesus' name speak to our hearts today amen come on right right now with me just type in amen into the comments so that uh, somebody else can see that you're here and that you're tracking and that you're not busy doing chores with the message in the background <laughs> okay this this is uh, part seven of supreme overall and so i do want you to get the scriptures open get your bible open uh, to colossians chapter three we'll go there in just a minute but as i was thinking about this message some people were coming to mind i was remembering a, a particular couple uh, that was part of our church a good number of years ago and 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 this couple was amazing i mean she uh, served in the women's ministry in church and he was a, a part of the men's ministry in church and together they uh, served with the hospitality ministry in church and ushers in church and and they were great had a couple of great kids that were always with them in church and uh, th- that was that was awesome to see, this amazing family. But something happened. They just sort of disappeared. And then a few weeks and a few months later, long story short, uh, they ended up divorcing, moving away. Uh, she ended up actually even, uh, because of some work-related things, going to jail. Uh, that happened. What happened to this family that was just such a big part of everything in church? And then I, I was thinking about another guy, a guy, uh, he was a, a big part of things, encouraged a lot of people, uh, helped serve a lot in, 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 in the outreach ministry in church and would always be there, you know, up front with his hands held high during times of worship in church. And, and then long story short, uh, some things went down with the business that he owned and he ended up going to jail, was in prison for a, a number of years. Wow, how does that kind of thing happen? I mean. I'm not trying to cast any shade on on these particular people. I mean, things happen, but, but I think part of the problem was that there is a tendency to compartmentalize our faith and let it be something that's in church when what God envisions for us is to be whole life disciples of Jesus that understand that Jesus is supreme over all and not just supreme over church, and, and so I wanted to just tell you today that this faith in Jesus, this understanding of his greatness and supremacy is something that you, you're meant to take home with you and take to work with you. That's where I want to go with this message. But let me just remind you of something today. Jesus Christ is supreme over all. And if, if you wouldn't mind, I want you to just say that out loud with me. Jesus Christ is supreme over all. Say it again. Jesus Christ is supreme over all, he is supreme over all the universe. He's supreme over all creation. Jesus is supreme over everything that you can see and even think of. Jesus is supreme over your life in every which way. Jesus Christ is supreme over every spiritual force. Jesus Christ is supreme over every demonic thing. Jesus Christ is supreme over the government. Jesus Christ is supreme over politics. Jesus Christ is supreme over his church. And Jesus Christ is supreme over me and you. But you know what else? Jesus Christ is supreme over your marriage, supreme over your parenting, supreme over your family, supreme over your work. I want to invite you to embrace today that a healthy life of discipleship in Jesus is one where we recognize he is supreme over all. And so there is no compartmentalization. There's no compartment where this is off limits. So he's Lord of everything. He's supreme over all. And so take take it home. Take it to church. Take it to work. This is where we're going in this message. And so uh, you're turning now to Colossians chapter 3. And and we're going to jump in at verse 17. And this is God's word to each one of us. Let's hear it. Whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. Children, always obey your parents, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not aggravate your children, or they will become discouraged. Slaves, Obey your earthly masters in everything you do. Try to please them all the time, not just when they're watching. Serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ." But if you do what is wrong, you'll be paid back for the wrong you've done. God has no favorites. Masters, be just and fair to your slaves. Remember that you also have a master in heaven. Take it home, take it it to work. Okay, let me just start with something that's kind of obvious. There's a bit of an elephant in the room. What I mean is that there are a couple of concepts in what we just read that potentially are, are a bit awkward or maybe challenging, possibly even uh, downright offensive, just depending on how we're reading things, what we understand, and where we're coming from. But I'm talking about are two concepts in particular, uh, the concept phrased with uh, these words, wives submit to your husbands, and then the concept uh, regarding slavery. So those, uh, those concepts are big deal concepts, and we're going to go there. We're going to get there. But first, can I just take you back to the overarching starting point? And it's what we read in verse 17. And I want you to say this nice and strong out loud with me. Ready, right where you are, say it with me, go. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him, to God the Father. Whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus. I think that provides an overarching principle for us as we dive into the rest of the scripture. It, it frames the reality that everywhere we go, we really do represent Jesus. I remember a few, uh, a few months ago, uh, we, we were do something special for breakfast at home, but I had just gotten up early and and, and we were going to do some avocado toast or whatever. And we didn't remember to have any avocados so I did an early morning grocery store run to get some avocados and I didn't have time to get dressed nice and get all ready, so I just kind of threw on a hoodie and in my sweats and, and and went to the grocery store, and, and I'm just trying to make a beeline in there and get out, and, and I'm still half waking up. I hadn't even really had the coffee yet, which is dangerous for anybody, but especially me, and I'm in the grocery store, and and I'm just, you know, fumbling through the avocados, trying to find the right one, and I I noticed across the way in the proto section, uh, this uh, you know, kindly, sweet, older woman is kind of looking my way and has this odd, funny smile on her face. And I was wondering what that was all about. And I'm, I'm kind of in that half awake, you know, sort of you know, not that happy looking state at that moment. And then suddenly I had this inspiration and the inspiration was, get rid of the grumpies, John. She just might be somebody that you know. And so instead of uh, ignoring her, I I had that little impulse inside of me, and and then she made made it over towards me and said, hi, I wanted to introduce myself. Uh, uh, And she said, you know, we we haven't met each other, but I'm a member of your church. (laughs) I'm really glad that I did uh, hear that inner voice of like, hey, get rid of the grumpies, John. Yeah, but the truth is, In a a way, I'm a representative of center point in in, in the community. In, In fact, so are you if you're a part of this church body. But even more importantly, I'm a representative of Jesus. And if I'm doing it right, there's no compartments about that. It's always the truth everywhere I go, wherever I go. And what I wanted to get at today is an invitation, really, to to frame how we're thinking about life, especially with regards to work and home, with this central thought that Jesus is supreme in my home and in my work. Jesus is supreme in my home. And in my work. And I want you to make it a declaration today. I want you to say it with me, nice and strong. Make it almost a prophetic word over your life. Jesus is supreme in my home and in my work. Say it one more time, nice and strong. Say it. Jesus is supreme in my home and in my work. I hope that that would be more and more the reality for each of us, that we're experiencing that, that we're living into that, Okay, so a little backstory, background rather on the scripture we're reading. Uh, This is part of the scriptures in Colossians three gives us something that would be called the the household code, and uh, there are actually a couple different places in Peter, in Ephesians, here in Colossians where the apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Spirit, gives a a bit of a household household code, and part of what Paul is doing, what the Holy Spirit is doing through Paul, is recognizing that in the whole Roman Empire, where this scripture was originally landing, there was a deep sense of household rules that people tended to follow. It originates mostly with Aristotle, this idea of the household code. And so there was a bit of an expectation that, hey, if you're going to bring this whole new way of living, you've got to address what's going on in the home because we already have a pretty strong sense about those things. But the thing is, the Aristotle-based household code was based on this idea of the paterfamilias, which is this concept that the father is the ruler of everything. And it it really was a shift that the Holy Spirit was bringing through Paul in this household code because it's a household code based on equality. This is the overarching revelation in the scriptures is how God sees us and the baseline is equality. We found this in Colossians chapter 3, verse 11, Uh, a couple weeks ago. It says, in this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. Do you remember that part? It it sets this important baseline of equality that you and I have to say a big old yes and amen to because that's God's perspective. Uh, This also comes to us in Galatians, Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, this baseline of equality. And it says it like this. I want you to read Galatians 3, 28 out loud. Come on. You might be in your family room or your kitchen, but say it strong with me. Ready? Go. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Do you hear what the Holy Spirit is saying? The Holy Spirit is strongly saying, level playing field, everybody. Don't even think for a minute that you got one up on somebody else. We are of equal value in God's eyes. And so the baseline for this household code that Holy Spirit is now bringing through Paul is equality. That's what we see. And with that in mind, I want you to now jump into uh what Holy Spirit is saying for how to take it home and take it to work. And the first part is definitely about taking it home. It says this in verse 17, whatever you do or say, everybody say whatever. And that would include how you're dealing with your wife, your husband, your kids, your parents. That's where we're going. Whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Wives, submit to your husband's as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. And husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. So the first part of what Holy Spirit is saying to families and how to take it home is directed to uh, to wives. And it's that awkward word, submit. Hey, I, I hope you won't check out on me. I hope you'll hear me through on this one because I think it's something that uh, makes it needs a little bit of, Understanding it takes a little bit of further, further thought, really, to understand where God is taking us. But can I start by making sure to clarify what this doesn't mean? When it says, wives, submit to your husbands, this does not mean obey his every command. <laughs> it doesn't mean that. Obey is a different word, and it's, in, in this context, used for what children will do with regard to their parents. As the scriptures say, wives, submit to your husbands, it does not mean put up with abusive behavior, put up with sinful behavior, put up with uh, belligerence, put up with manipulation. It does not mean any of those things. Put up with being devalued, put up with uh, being mistreated. No, it, it absolutely doesn't mean that at all. And... What it does mean, what submit in this biblical family context means is is it means to freely, voluntarily let a husband have the first place of responsibility to provide leadership to the family. It, It is a freely chosen act of love, voluntarily offered in response to love. That's really what what the context is for understanding uh, this, this word. And it's based on a deep sense that we both share of equality, of worth and value. That's where we begin. Uh, a while back, I was talking to a friend who's a martial arts guy, a jujitsu guy, and he was telling me about a match that he had been in and because he was kind of, you know, doing something, he was like stretching his neck and it was all sore. And I said, what happened? He said, yeah, well, I was in this match and and um, I subbed this guy and it was going well, but then all of a sudden I tweaked my neck and of course I cared about what was going on with his neck, but I, I just had never heard this word before, subbed this guy, he said. I was like, what, what did you just say? He said, I, I subbed this guy and I was like, what does that mean? He said, yeah, it's a submission. And I had to ask for some explanation because I don't know too much about martial arts, but he explained it to me. He's like, yeah, in, in jujitsu, uh, a lot of what we learn is, is uh, submissions. Uh, and so it's an interesting use of the word right in that case submission is something that you do to somebody to make them lose <laughs> to get them under your control to to pin them down that kind of thing in the midst of a fight that's not uh, either what the scriptures have in mind with this word submit that's uh, that's used here in colossians 3 it is It is something that really is possible only and to the extent in which a husband is given the the love that he's required to give. The biblical idea of submission is really about expressing a sense of respect for a husband who's living out the sacrificial love of Jesus towards his wife. That's got to be in our minds. We've got to understand that that's the context. Another part of the context is we need to be careful we don't just pin all of our thoughts on one verse. Uh, Ephesians five twenty one it says, husbands and wives submit to one another out of your reverence for Christ. So keep that in mind too. The Bible doesn't just single out a wife and say, nope, you're the only one who's got to do this. In fact, the bigger picture of the scriptures are very clear. This is a both end uh, calling. But because of what we're reading here in Colossians and what we find uh, also in Peter, we, we understand that the scripture does envision this reality in which that there is a, a kind of a, a burden of ultimate responsibility as a shot caller, in a sense, to a husband. To, to uh, get, give the, the leadership that's needed. But on a personal level, I'll share with you like this. My wife, Ann Hansen, she's an amazing person. And she is incredibly smart, far smarter than me. I mean, she graduated cum laude in her high school class, like one of the people that gets up on the platform special at the end. I was not that, far from it. She uh, got into one of the top uh, colleges in the whole country, UVA, University of Virginia, and uh, did great there. And she's a- a- an amazing and powerful, competent leader. I mean, I just think about Center Point Church and all the things that, that happened around here because of her. I remember back in the day when we didn't really have a children's ministry or a nursery, and she just invented it all. Like, I know that sounds like a stretch, but really, but she did that. It happened. I think about mom space ministry that she started. It just began with some ideas and, and, and in a good year, i.e. not 2020, that's a ministry that uh, sometimes reaches as many as 100 uh, women, young, young moms. And, and I think about the, the freedom prayer ministry that she began that has now reached more than 1,000 people with life-changing deliverance and freedom in Christ. Wow, I mean, it's, it's amazing. She's powerful, competent, amazing, and awesome. And so when I hear this phrase, wives, submit to your husbands, what kind of goes on in the back of my mind is, okay, uh, so wives, submit to husbands, but okay, but first, first tell me what to do, and then I'll submit, <laughs> you can submit, right? Like, it's a bit of a a of a, of a toss-up there because there's so much that she has to offer. I would be foolish to ignore that and not fully include and involve her in every part of the process of what we do and how we do it. And, and yes, I'll own, because I think it's here, an ultimate kind of a buck stop responsibility. But man, she, she's, she's viewed from God's word and his perspective as of equal value. And so I want to start there as well. But we got to keep going. In verse 20, Now we gotta talk about the kids. It says, children, always obey your parents. This pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not aggravate your children or they'll become discouraged. Some of us need to recognize that we have an important role to play with regard to our kids. And it's especially in that second part of that verse. I want you to say it out loud with me, the part that said fathers. You read it with me, starting from the word fathers. Ready, go. Fathers, do not aggravate your children or they will become discouraged. I know I skipped right over the, you know, children, obey your parents. Yes, that should happen. But I really wanna speak, because I know I'm speaking mostly to uh, adults right now. Let's own this. That, that part of what we've got to do, if we're gonna live out what we just read, is we've got to engage in some button management. Do you know what I'm talking about? Button management. I think now you're feeling it, right? We we all know what it's like when someone begins to press our buttons. And in a sense, as a mom or a dad, what we've got to learn to do is is to ask the Holy Spirit to give us more of the fruit of self-control so that our buttons aren't getting pressed quite so easily. Yes, our kids will cross the line. Yes, they will end up doing things that aren't right and that uh, hit us the wrong way but we don't need to let ourselves fly off the handle at them. Whenever I find myself flying off the handle at my kids, I have not felt like it has honored God or, or helped the situation or blessed my kids in any way. And I usually end up just regretting that. And so I've always been praying and I continue to be praying, God help me to more and more have the fruit of your spirit of self-control, so that my buttons aren't getting pressed. And here's what I envision: I envision uh, kind of like one of those uh, little cages that goes over the switches uh, back in the in the high school gym back in the day uh, that, that kept the balls from from hitting the switches, you know, that would, when they were bouncing around. And I want to envision uh, something like that in my own spirit. And I think it's possible. I think that's something that God could do for you and me. And I'm praying for it. I pray for that for you right now, that that would actually, actually happen. Now I wanna keep reading because there's an important area that is covered in the scripture we need to talk about. And so in verse 22, it said, Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything you do. Try to please them all the time, not just when they're watching you. Serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. But if you do what's wrong, you'll be paid back for the wrong you've done for God has no favorites. Masters, be just and fair to your slaves. Remember that you also have a master in heaven. Okay, so what we need to do is engage in the spiritual discipline of the zoom out. A lot of times, we we need to do that as we're reading the Bible, because sometimes we can get swept into a micro focus on something in scripture, and and kind of miss uh, miss the whole view of things. So, So we need to zoom out a little bit and acknowledge something. We are reading these scripture verses in the year 2021 or later if this happens to be later for you, but we're reading it in, in, a, in a different period of history in which it was written. But what that also means as most of us who are reading it, we're reading it with American lenses. And that has a particular meaning when we hear the word slavery or slaves. We begin thinking uh, about the horrors of the African slave trade. Uh, and the embarrassment, the shame, the pain, the trauma of all of that. And uh, we we hear this word slaves, and we maybe unwittingly infuse it with meaning from our context, which may not actually match up to the historical context in which this scripture was written. And so I just need to acknowledge that. And, and in so doing, I do want to say, without any shadow of a doubt, the history of the African slave trade in our country is despicable. It's an an abhorrent thing. It's something that has left a a scar on our nation that we feel the pain of to this day and that still needs healing. I, I really think it's important to recognize that. But in so saying, I think it's also important that we allow ourselves then to say, okay, maybe, just maybe, what we're reading in Colossians 3 it isn't carrying the same kind of meaning as what would come to our minds as North American Christians with a history in our country that's a shame. It's not that the scripture endorses slavery, but it's just that it has a different sense and meaning than than the kind of thing that comes to our mind. When we hear it, we, we picture scenes from movies like Amistad or Glory or 12 Years a Slave or those kinds of things, and this is, this is something different. So a bit of, a bit of the, the context here is that in the broad movement of Scripture, the broad movement of Scripture lands with a desire that is from the heart of God that if someone is a slave, that they'd be able to be free. That is the broad sweep of scripture. There's there's no mistake about that. In fact, the book of Philemon is is a whole book of the Bible that kind of represents and reflects that that is, in fact, God's heart. That the, the one who has been seen and thought of and viewed and actually was a slave, the best and highest for them is to be free. That's the heart of God. But in in another way, the scripture here is saying, okay, so this is the circumstance, this is the situation, this is the context that you're living in. Let's speak into how you can deal with that reality uh, for those who were slaves. So here's something you should know. In the Roman Empire, uh, it it is uh, estimated by scholars that about one-third of the population, especially in urban centers, were slaves, a third or more. And what this reflects is that a a capitalistic system had not yet really been developed like we know it now. And so even the word employee didn't necessarily exist in this way at this time. And so uh, there was something about uh, the system of bond servancy that uh, was part of the macroeconomic picture Again, this is not that God wanted it that way, it's just the reality. Something else you should know about the slavery that was taking place at this time is, it was uh, slavery where people who were slaves were the same race as those who were the, the masters of them. And there was a process by which uh, a slave or bond servant could find and attain freedom. So those are all parts of the situation that we just need to be aware of and have in our mind. And and in a sense, there's a way in which the slavery that was taking place was a lot like what we would call, depending on our job, employment in our day and age. I'm not saying it's exactly the same, but I am suggesting to you that there is a lot about the, the thing that was called slavery in these New Testament times that's similar to employment in our day and time. And it's so much so that that, uh, that is the case that there are some translations that even choose to use that word, employment, employee. Uh, for example, in the Passion Translation, in verse 22, it puts it like this. It says, let every employee listen well and follow the instructions of their employer, not just when their employers are watching and not in pretense, but in Faithful in all things, for we are to live our lives with pure hearts in the constant awe and wonder of our Lord God. I think broadly speaking, part of what's happening here is that, that the Holy Spirit is is addressing the, the fact that whether you are in authority or under authority, do it with the supremacy of Jesus Christ in mind. And that includes uh, the situation for you if you are a worker. So with that kind of a historical understanding of, of what slavery meant and understanding that there's a way in which it's akin to what we would call being an employee, not exactly, but enough similarity, I think this is a word that we need to be able to take in. And if we are a worker, this is a word from God to us, not to dismiss. And God's word is saying in so many ways if you are a worker, could you do it as though Jesus was the one you were really working for? And how would you work differently if that was the case? I think maybe if you're a worker, it would be wise to think of that. And I would say to you, as a matter of discipleship, if you're a worker, work with your best energy and intention for who you're working for. Work with honesty. Work with doing your absolute best. Work with a a great attitude with the people that you're working with and for the one that you're working for. Work without gossip. Work uh, without cutting corners or doing wrong by your employer. Work without stealing anything. I mean, it, it almost feels like it should go without saying, but it actually needs to be said. And that's why it is said here. And I'm saying it to you now. I remember uh, one of my earliest jobs when I was in high school is I was working for um, this store called I Can't Believe It's Not Yogurt. So the yogurt store. Anyway, uh, I was a new employee. I remember uh, being a new employee at the yogurt store. And this guy came in and there was a bit of a lull with the customers and this guy kind of came over to the side and was like, ah, so so what's this stuff made of? And I was like, "I I don't know. I just work here. And he's like, well, why, why are you putting so much toppings on that guy's uh, cup and, and not as much on that guy's cup? I'm like, I, I don't know, I just, I don't, I don't know. And he's like, aren't you supposed to weigh that when you put the toppings in it like that? And, and I'm just kinda being peppered by all these questions. And then he sits down, eats his yogurt and he comes back and says, hey, I noticed that there's a bunch of trash on the tables over there. Doesn't anybody care? Isn't anybody gonna come pick up those cups? And I was like, oh, I guess, yeah. And I went and picked up the cups, threw them away. And and the guy's like, then he's touching his table, and and he's going, this table's sticky. Does anybody clean these things? It just kept going on and on. And then uh, the shift manager got back into the store, and his eyes were on alert when he walked in, and he walked quickly over to me, and he whispered into my ear, he said, do you see that guy over there? And I said, yeah, he's been bugging me. (laughs) And he said, that's Doug, he's the owner. Oh, it was one of those ouch kinds of moments, right? And, and you know, if I had known he was the owner, I would have been like Ari, I would have been like, best behavior, I would have been right out there spraying those, t- but actually shouldn't I have been working that way even when I didn't know he was the owner? I mean, when I think back to that memory, that's what I think would have honored Jesus the most. And so if you're an employee, I'm urging you, take this to heart. It's only going to lead to your good. It's only going to lead to your boss or your employer or your leader saying, wow, she's amazing. She brings the best around here. Let's give her a promotion. Let's give her the next opportunity. Let's give them a raise. Like, all of those things become a lot more likely and possible when we actually do what the scriptures say. But you know what? The scriptures aren't just speaking to those of us who are workers. It's also speaking to those of us who are a boss or an owner of a company. I mean, we just read it, but let me read it again. This time, it's also from the Passion Translation. And it it puts it like this. In verse 1, it said, "'Employers, treat your workers with equality and justice, as you know that you also have a Lord and Master in heaven who is watching you.'" Ooh, if you're a boss, if you're a leader, if you're an owner of a company, this is God's word to you. It is God saying, yes and no, I really expect this. I really and truly expect you to create a great work environment to, to every reasonable degree that you can. I expect you to be kind and courteous with those who are part of your work team. I'm expecting you to pay them what they're owed. Don't leave them hanging. Don't uh, not give them their pay. Give them a raise when you can. If they're doing great, give them a great new opportunity. Give them a safe work environment. Take responsibility for these things. All of this is part of God's heart, even down to what's it gonna be like at work. Jesus Christ is supreme over all. And that's not just an in church thing. That's even in your home. And in your interactions with your wife and your kids and your spouse, and it's an at-work thing, too. Do you see where this goes? I, I met with a, a guy in our church a few weeks ago who's a business owner, and, and he was telling me about something that they're doing with their company, and they're uh, shifting the ownership of the company to pro- provide for all of the employees, and there's a couple hundred of them, uh, to be owners in the company, share owners. And he just said, you know, this gives them an opportunity to have an equity stake in the company. Uh, yes, it helps to motivate them to want to do their work well, but also it gives them a chance to really reap the rewards. And I heard that and I thought, that's awesome. That's such a great thing to do for your workforce and to, and to raise people up and to recognize if, I, if I've got a company or an opportunity to be a leader or a boss, it's a, an opportunity to raise people up to whatever degree I can. Yeah, God. That's the kind of thing he's calling us to. I remember when I I, I was in China, uh, uh, this is a number of years ago, but uh, I heard from uh, leaders in enterprise over there that said, we really love to hire those Christians. Why? Well, because they're honest and they are more hardworking than anybody else. Wow, I mean, that was the reputation. I'm, I'm so grateful, and I think it's because those earnest Christians over there at that time just read this part of the scripture and said, we're gonna do that. And because the Holy Spirit within us prompts that. It's what we're made for. I know that uh, we've dealt with so, some potentially challenging concepts in this message, but I hope you've heard the heart of God, and it's ultimately for a baseline of equality and a trajectory towards freedom. But you know, the highest and best freedom that any of us can experience ultimately is the freedom that we find in Jesus Christ and in our salvation. And so let me just share this with you as I'm wrapping up this message. Galatians chapter five, verse one, it says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Would you read that out loud with me? Read the whole verse with me. Say it with me nice and strong. Go, go. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Okay, so believer, I'm encouraging you, enjoy and live into the freedom that Jesus Christ has for you. But I also want to speak to you, if you've just joined us for this online church experience, you're trying to put all the pieces together, the biggest piece of them all, It is simply this, that Jesus Christ wants for you to be free, truly free, free from sin, free from shame, free from guilt, free from the threat of hell, free from the loneliness of life without God, free from the hopelessness that is all we would have without the good news of the hope of heaven and the power of God here and now. God wants that freedom for you. And so I wanna invite you right now to embrace that freedom, step into it. In this moment, I wanna ask you to pray with me and maybe for somebody, it's time for you to pray once and for all saying, Jesus, would you forgive my sins and save my life? Bring me into that freedom. So pray with me, would you? Let's all pray together. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you aren't just an in-church God, but that you're supreme overall. and that includes our home and our work. And so help us, God, to take it home and to take it to work. This resolute uh, e- e- embracing of revelation that you are supreme overall. And God, I pray right now that for somebody there would be a spiritual awakening in, in this reality of who you really are Jesus, supreme overall, the one who brings freedom. And so while we're praying together, if, if your heart is stirring and you're saying to yourself, I need that, I need the freedom, <laughs> I need to be free from the, the weight of sin and shame and guilt, I need Jesus. If that's truly where you're coming from and you wanna say yes to Jesus once and for all right now and ask him to forgive your sins and save your life because that is what you're being invited into, a life of full forgiveness and freedom in Jesus. If that's you, if you would say, I need to do that, I want you right now to say, yes, that's me. I need Jesus. And if you're on our church online platform, and you're ready to do this, click the button to say, I'm raising my hand, I'm committing my life to Jesus. Or if you're on Facebook, I want you to simply type into the comments, I want to give my life to Jesus. Be bold, let it be known, and now pray with me. And maybe you pray this way, you say, Jesus Christ, I believe in you. Would you forgive my sins and save my life? I'm yours from this moment on, in Jesus' name I pray. And all of God's people together we say, amen. Amen. If you have a prayer request, I would love for you to type it into the comments if you'd like to, or you can uh, you can go to our website and let your prayer request be known there. We have a team even online right now that is waiting to pray for you, even, uh, even in this unique way of, of meeting online together. God bless you. Let's work.